0: Yo, 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 what's good? It's your boy, Roy Matz, and this is another episode of SYNC Gems. Today on the podcast, we have Gregory Tan, which has had some amazing success in SYNC and a Star Wars placement as the cherry on top. He breaks down how he got to the place that he is in right now, and he does not hold back any information. It took him a while to get to where he is right now, landing placements, landing trailers, but he is really the epitome of taking opportunities and moving forward. He speaks about communication and its importance, community and its importance. He talks about being unique and its importance in the sync industry, in the trailer industry, and in general, in order to be successful in music. We also talk business and contracts. If you like this podcast enough and you like this episode, please go and leave us a five-star review. Go and tell us what this show has taught you and how it has enlightened you. And by doing that, you're really helping support the show and push it forward to other ear holes and other people who would benefit from this information. So, thanks in advance. But without further ado, my man Gregory Tan. Boom. Uh um, awesome. Gregory. Yes. My man. We have been having some technical issues. I'm uh, so sorry for that. <laughs> no, you're good. But um, man, now I know your story way better. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so let me let me just let me just rewind. You yeah. got hit up. Um, by one of the publishers you work with yeah. closely yeah. and do customs for.
1: Yeah. And
0: you guys uh they asked you for a five minute uh rendition, piano rendition. Five second. Five a uh, five second. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm I'm bad with details like that. <laughs> That's Sorry. Okay. But um five second rendition to Star Wars. Yeah. What was going through your mind at that time? Because you're a Star Wars freak.
1: Yeah, like no, like when when I guess for anyone, when you hear like, you know, you get a chance to, like, work on something that you've perhaps always dreamed of or, like, grew up with or something, um, I think, like, you know, there, there's the whole, like, butterflies in your stomach, you know, you feel nervous, you're like, oh, man, like, I got one shot at this, I can't, like, you know, mess this up, I can't screw this up. Yeah, so there were a lot of questions, you know, going through my head, I was just, like, throwing them out, and 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 the guy was like, yo, dude, like, relax, it's, it's like, you know, five seconds, um yeah and um it's piano only you know so like i think the first pass i said to him he was just like yo like remove all the left hand stuff like i just need the right hand like remove the flowery things because you know you want to do your best right like you want to mm. put your best food forward um and you want to be like oh i want to give them more to work with and he was just like yeah remove all that stuff just keep it simple and literally that's 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 what happened um yeah, and and, and um, when it when it went through, because I was only given an hour when it went through, it was just like okay, I'm not gonna bug him about it. I'm like so excited, but I'm, I'm just gonna like you know let it be and hopefully it, it lands and lands well. So like a week later, um, I was in the midst of another custom um, for the same publisher, and after I sent him like the stamps and, and all the kind of deliverables and stuff, he was like, oh by the way, like you know, Endor might be dropping soon. And, you know, it just left me, like, up at night. Like, you know, I was just like, I can't sleep. I just kept, like, refreshing, like, YouTube, Facebook, you know, p- places where people usually post trailers and stuff, right? And I was just like, uh, when is it going to drop? Which is my spot? Because, like, there were a bunch of TV spots that happened before mine. You know, just like, um, okay, like, this is not mine. I don't think this is mine. Like, I, I can't remember if I sent in this key, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> like, eventually when it dropped, I am just like, yo, yo, I got to get out of bed for this, you know? Um, Yeah, so, so, so that was, that was the whole mental process. Like, it was, it was just such a level of excitement that I hadn't felt before. It's, it's crazy. You know, I felt like I won the lottery. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: shit it gives me it gives me goosebumps actually we've had a we've had a really successful uh composer on the podcast who his dream is to land a star wars like that's his goal so i mean like he'll he'll listen to this and probably hit you up after that but you know like that's (laughs) insane that's an insane story but thank you i want to i want to I want to rewind a little bit to mm-hmm. take it to where your story began with music, sure. uh, where, where your story begins with music, and how you got to where you are right now to landing Andor.
1: Cool, yeah. Um, I mean, well, if you go way back, like, you know, the first, first, I guess, uh, encounter with music, you know, like, as a kid, like, you know, sometimes, like, your parents would just introduce you to stuff and, like like, oh, you know, so my brother was, like, already learning the piano, like, he was, like, several years um, ahead of me in terms of age, and he was just, like, learning the piano, and my mom was, like, yo, do you want to learn an instrument, and I was just, like, okay, but, like, I don't want to do piano, because, like, you know, like, the elder bro is already doing it, you know, I want to do something different, so, like, I started in the violin when I was really young, when I was about six, Um, and I sort of went through the whole classical syllabus. I believe they call it the ABRSM syllabus, like the classical stuff from from the UK and, and all that kind of thing. Um, so when I was 15, I finished the syllabus, but I, at that point, had like grown to, you know, sort of hate the whole genre of like classical stuff because it's like, it's so uncool as a teenager just to, to be playing classical music you know and like the, the stereotypes and it's like oh you know back then like rock and like punk rock was really in this was in the 90s and stuff um like boy bands were like uncool were phasing out um rock, like heavier rock was coming back um yeah so so wait wait uh,
0: you're trying to say backstreet boys are not cool
1: <laughs> well for me at that age you know but i love them today <laughs> just to be clear
0: <laughs> get the hell out of here man i want <laughs> it that way Played oh, yeah, every yeah. morning in yeah. my house.
1: Like no. the funny thing was because it was played so much, you know. So I was just like, oh, yeah. this, this gotta be something more, you know, <laughs> like, like, like trying to be hipster and like to fit yeah. in a different way, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so like um, that, that phase came and went. And, and like, you know, I saw a classmate play like Metallica's Master of Puppets on the acoustic guitar. And I was just like, dude, that is sick. What song is that? I was like oh yeah it's by this band called Metallica, blah 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 he was like you should check them out they are like you know um um they, they they started this whole trash rock movement thing you know uh trash metal movement excuse me um and i was just like what is that you know so i went down the whole like being a guitarist you know joining bands blah 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 um went to australia went to melbourne to actually do my uh, university um and over there i joined like several bands like local bands and like just played guitar for them and at some point you were like hey have you considered writing original material and i was just like nope what's that like i don't know how to use a daw i don't know how to record myself i was just like oh it's really basic you know like you know just plug into interfacing press record um so that was literally the whole process of encountering like um self-recording it was literally just writing guitar parts for a band Um, and it was cool and after a while like you know like as most bands like um, life gets in the way people you know have responsibilities some of them became parents blah 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 Um, and um, I was sort of just left to my own um, devices and that was when I was like oh this recording thing is pretty cool like where do people get these um, fake instruments from and that's where I discovered VSTs virtual instruments and, and stuff and that was when I realized like Hey, apart from band music, I really, really, really like um the, the stuff that's in movies, the soundtrack stuff. So I dived into that and like, you know, one thing led to another. I explored film music for a while, didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, just because like there are a lot of parts um like um to, to deal with. Like you gotta be great communicators with like directors and like producers and it kind of thing. So after like a few experiences and doing a few student films, um, I was like, okay, what's the closest I can get to films, but not touch, you know, the actual film in that sense. So I dabbled around like, Oh, there's this thing called trailer music. I was like, what is trailer music? I just always thought that the trailer music um, stuff was scored by the, the film guy. You know, and it turns out there's this whole world, right? And so I dived deep into that. Um, when I graduated, actually, I worked in-house in a music technology company for, for two years, you know? So I was doing, like, music for the ads and, and stuff like that as well. Um, and so it, it felt really uh, congruent, just sort of, like, as a segue into, like, trailer music because it it's also, like, music for, for for film advertising, motion picture advertising. So, so that was how, like, I sort of, like, entered that whole world and discovered this like unknown, like there's this thing called sync, there's this thing called, you know, like royalties, you know? So it was like a whole educational process that happened along the way, just because of curiosity. You know, I think at some point I literally Googled like how to make money with music, you know? So it was the usual, like, you know, get signed to the label, tour, um, become an artist, you know, blow up on Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. And I was like, "Mm, I don't really want to be an artist. And then you scrolled down, she was like, oh, there's this thing called sync licensing. It was like, what the heck is sync licensing? Yeah, mm. so um, like a whole world like unveiled for me thanks to Google. Um, thank you, Google. Um, but shout <laughs> uh, out to Google. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that in a nutshell is literally like how I got started. Um, and like, yeah. Um, I I hope I hope I sort of hit your question.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a great place to stop as well because where and a lot of a lot of a lot of questions come out of that for me and yeah. one of them is were you straight out of college working in a, in um in a in an advertising house like what what did that look like when when you um started working you said for an ad company an ad agency um, um and, and and that was before you yeah. got into sync
1: yeah so okay. I was working, it was more of like a music tech company, but mm. it was a company that had bought like, you know, like a few brands under them. So mm. I was doing like basically not just music for their ads, but like, it was just like literally every other music thing. Like I was the in-house guy, you know, so like any audio problems, they were just like, oh, can you fix this? Can you clean this up? Can you do this um, recording? Um, mm. and, and can you edit this, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, that was my first job um, out of college, out of university. Um, the funny thing was I didn't actually you know, like study a music degree. Um, I actually took an arts degree um, in college. Um, they, they just basically called it like a Bachelor of Arts. Um, and it was actually in um, sociology and political science. Um, and I had music as sort of like, a, I guess you would call it a minor or elective, or it depends where you are. It's basically like a side thing. Um, and towards the final year of my school, you know, like I have friends who are doing like films and stuff and they were just like, Hey dude, can you like, you know, help us in like our student film? Like, can you do a little bit of music for us? I'm like, what is that? You know? And so, so that opened my whole, my whole world basically like, you know, to this, this possibility of like, Hey, you know, like there is music paired to picture, you know, whatever that picture is, um. Yeah. So after graduating, I was kind of like, okay, what do I want to do? I had a few internships and like um um the disciplines that I was studying, like my major, um, my majors basically. And I was just like, nah, I don't really enjoy this. Um and and yeah, um I, I thought like okay, I could I could do a whole music thing, you know, and um see where it leads. And if it doesn't work out, I could probably, you know, go back. To whatever i studied you know so that was always like the plan like try music give music a shot um experiment a little bit you know and if it doesn't work out in the first couple of years you know it's fine you know go back to like i guess someone call like a day job or something yeah um yeah yeah so so yeah
0: mm. so you see uh you see the sync licensing and uh and 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 I imagine some people who are listening to this are in that stage where you know they've they've got their they've gotten their their feet wet in music. They've done production. They're looking to uh, make a steady living out of music because mm-hmm. uh, perhaps they're tired of uh, their day job, or you know, like they want they know they're they're good enough to make a full time living, but don't know how to do it. Yeah. So you see it on Google. Shouts out to Google again. Hope you hope you rank as <laughs> well. And um, but you know uh, uh, um, you get to that stage, and then what happens? How long till you get your first placement? And what does your boot camp look like?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well, honestly, I think I you you know like if you read a lot of. Um, Or you watch a lot of YouTube videos today, you talk to a lot of the pros, um, some of them will tell you like, oh, trailer music is um, insanely tough to get in just because it's competitive. Um, The production quality expected of you is super high. There's a certain kind of sound, like that massive big Hollywood sound that um, people expect of you. So they always tell you, like, you know, consider starting out with, like, TV music, something simpler, or, or, you know, something that you actually enjoy writing. But for me, that thing that I enjoyed writing was trailer music. Mm. And so it was just like, huh, I'm, I'm just going to jump right in. Right. So the first, literally, I think the first four to eight months, it was just like a ton of rejection, a ton of non-replies, a ton of no's, essentially. Um, and I was just like, okay, what's wrong? Like, it's my production, not good enough. Or like my samples outdated sounding or, or like what, you know? So like, it was a long time of, of reflection, a long time of like striving to get better. Um, and I think like, so this was about like 2019. Yeah. So from the start of 2019 to about like August, 2019, like there was literally nothing going on for me in terms of like the sync licensing part. Um, I was like writing a lot of, um, trailer music, what I thought was trailer music, but I had so much, um, lack of knowledge towards like how and why the structure needed to flow a certain way, you know, like the massiveness, how do you attain that massive sound sonically, blah, 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 and everything else in between how to reach out to publishers, how to like, you know, follow up with publishers, um, how to establish a relationship with them. And so I, I sort of like, um, um, went down like, you know, the hard road, like it's sort of like threw myself in the deep end and thankfully I swam. So about August, like there was a publisher that, um, in the UK that sort of said like, okay, this track is possible. It's not the best, but uh, we can accept it, you know? So was just like, "Mm, okay, like this is, this is progress, right? So, um, as time went by, like people were like, okay, dude, you, you know, your stuff is getting better, but, um, don't just keep focusing like on trying to land trailer syncs. Why not like the tracks that you got rejected? Like, why not just pass them to TV publishers and stuff? And I was just like, mm, oh, okay, what's the worst that could happen, right? So I, I did, you know, I, I just started sending these rejected tracks out to TV publishers. Um, majority of them accepted it. Um, and some of them were really good. Like they got them, like, you know, used in uh, TV shows like um, The Challenge by MTV and stuff. Um, that, that was in December or November 2019. So I got my first TV royalty at the start of 2020, which was really, really cool because I was like, oh, I'm actually, you know, it was like for a small amount, it was like 27 US dollars or something like that. But, you know, when I saw that, I was just like, hey, you know, the fact that I made like money with music um, without being in-house, you know, it's, it's amazing. Right. So I just thought, like, I can do this as I refine my skills um, in the trailer world. So I sort of started doing, um, you know, like straddling the line between um, TV and trailer. So TV would just be, um, I would just park, like just to be perfectly transparent, I'll park all my rejected material from the trailer end, you know, I'll probably like refine it a bit, like make it a little bit better um, and, and I'll just submit it. Um, and yeah, so that's what happened. So this process continued until about, like, um, 2021, I think. Um, Yeah, so that was last year. And I think I got my first um, trailer placement um, in, like, um, Fast and Furious 9. So that wasn't music. That was, like, sound design. That was literally, like, swoosh hits and slams and stuff. And that was just because, like, I wanted to experiment with, like, making my own original sounds instead of just relying on, like, sample libraries or, like, you know, stuff that, that everyone else had access to out there. So, like, I started making, like, you know, like, 10, 20 sounds and just um, sharing them with the publisher and just, like, mm, you guys got any need for this? If you do, uh, you know, feel free to take them. If, if you don't or you've got too much of this, like, feel free to reject it. And they took it on and, like, um, yeah, so, so that happened. Um, That was, I think, I can't remember when the movie came out, but it was somewhere like May, June, July, I I think July. Um, Yeah. And all this, well, like between 2020 to 2021, I was just building, you know, like my catalog, getting, you know, better production quality, better mixes and all that, and trying to reach out to better publishers and trying to like maintain a relationship with them. Um, One thing I learned, you know, along the way is, the best publishers in the world, they unfortunately do not really need any new composers on your roster. So, you know, if you're just going to go up to them and you're going to knock on your door and go like, hey, i got a bunch of tracks for you. I think I'm a good composer. I think I'm a great fit for your catalog. You'll probably be like, yeah, we have tons of great composers on our roster. You know, we don't need um, any new music specifically. Right. so I realized the best way you know to get into writing for a new publisher is actually by co-writing with someone already on their roster which again you know requires a level of friendship a level of networking if you will you know so a lot of this business is not just about you know having great music um, it's also about like um, knowing how to speak to people knowing how to be likable and um, and honestly, just being approachable and being open to sort of like um, ideas, changes, um, possibilities, and just being able to deliver work great and fast. Um, at, well, at least adhering to timelines and not being like the last guy to send in stems and delay, say, an entire album. So, um, yeah, I, I think these things, um, they're kind of unspoken of. And these are things that many composers learn along the way. Like oh, I sent an email to a publisher two weeks ago. They have not replied me. Um, do I just you know like take it as a no? Do I follow up with them? What should I say when I follow up with them if I choose to follow up with them? Um, you know, can I talk to someone else on their roster to find out how they're doing? You know, uh, are they looking for new composers? Blah blah blah. Right? Um, yeah. So these are like little like I guess like people skills or PR skills, if you will. I think every new composer should learn, especially when you're trying to get a foot into the door, right? Because I think a lot of people get thrown off by like the non-replies or the rejection or like um, just like the even the lack of placements or the lack of opportunities. Like, oh, why does those guys get all the customs? How come I don't get any customs? You know, so there's like a lot of like um, communication skills that need to be worked upon. I feel for every composer, you know, especially the newer ones that are like hoping to, to get a foot in the door. Um, but yeah, you know, so like, I guess the best suggestion I would with, I I, I would give, you know, excuse me, um, would be to do your research, find out which publishers work great for you, you know, and, and probably could take on your kind of music. Obviously be good at what you do, you know, be a great producer, composer, be a great communicator and learn, you know, like communication skills. Essentially, I think these three things, you know, will get, um, they're sort of like a foundation to to, to build like a, a sustainable or a long lasting career, um, especially in the same site. So um, yeah.
0: Hmm. Okay, let's <laughs> let's breathe into that. Uh, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
0: <laughs> okay. No. Um, when was when was your moment when you when was the moment for you when you really got your 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 ball rolling and your community together uh was there an inflection point where because it took you 2 years man 2 years is a lot mm-hmm. and you need to hold your ground you know as as oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and not just give your 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 worst stuff to to publishers as as you know like uh uh there needs to be a mindset adopted for that and i would love to know how you approached community Mm -hmm.
1: um i think you know to answer your first question i didn't have a specific moment where you know i realized like hey look at all these guys that i can call friends you know like um it was just it felt really organic like one thing i did was like i participated in like facebook groups um i just offered you know, like my two cents worth whenever I felt like there was some, a topic that I could contribute something towards. Um, and if there was a topic that was, that I was unfamiliar with, I would just be honest and go like, hey guys, I have no idea, you know, how how to approach this. Um, um, what do you guys think? You know, so I think that coming from that place of genuinity, of like being honest about what I knew and what I didn't, without trying to front, without trying to put on like an act, like I knew a lot of things just because I had worked in-house before. Um, I think that sort of allowed me to seem more approachable and that built an unofficial community. Well, I just had like, you know, I became friends with people to, for, for, for lack of a better description. Um, yeah. Um, as for the mindset of, Keep going. um, I would say, you know, when I look at the more senior guys in the industry, you know, I would just go like, wow, you know, all these cool placements, um, these guys inspire me, you know, as opposed to, I guess, the other way of thinking is sort of like um, to be salty and to be defeated and go like, oh, all these guys got all these cool placements. How am I going to compete with them? Or they were, they were such good publishers. Or oh, their music's so good. How am I going to keep up with them? Um, I think it was never really like that for me. I think I made it a point to want to celebrate the success of, you know, my peers or, like, you know, people that I look up to because, like, these guys motivate me to write better music. Um, it was never really a case of, like, wow, um, you know, like so-and-so that, a Marvel placement, like I'll never land a Marvel placement because I'm never as good as that guy. Right. It was, it was never a mindset like that. Um, I think I sort of understood going to this game that um, it's going to be a long game. Um, you know, any part of the music industry, people will tell you that there is no such thing as overnight success, you know, just because someone blows up, you know, it doesn't mean that they hadn't put into work, you know, prior. So, so that always sat with me, you know, like I'm running my own race. I am not competing in a sense with everyone around me, you know, like I only can do better every day. I can't stop someone else from landing a placement. I can't stop someone else from landing a license. You know, um, I can't stop someone else from writing better music or getting to work with better publishers. So I told myself that, you know, I, I can only do what I can do, which is to write better music and to get better each day. Um, yeah, so I think that helped me a lot and it still does. Now, obviously being human, like naturally it's, you know, you're going to like, you know, feel a little bit down every once in a while, especially when you don't land projects that you really want to, you know, but it's again, part of the process, like you can't keep dwelling on the stuff that you missed out or you can't keep dwelling on 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 the things that you lost out to friends on. Um, so um, yeah, I think, that motivates me, you know, to just become better and to look at my friend's success and go like, "Wow, you guys are doing great! I am so happy for you." Now, how do I get better as well? You know, how can I how can I stand toe to toe with you guys, right? So it's a bit of like friendly competition, but it's not competition that eats at you. It's not toxic. It's not things that that hurt you. So I think that really laid the foundation for me when I was starting out, especially the year that you know, like when COVID hit and everybody was like. Um, oh, royalties are gonna drop. They're gonna diminish. You know, filming has stopped, so there's no more trailers. You know, like what do we, what do we look forward to, or like when is COVID gonna let up? You know, you know. So there's a lot of these kind of questions, and I just thought like, okay, I'm just gonna keep doing my best. If this is a time where there are no projects coming in, how can I, you know, sustain myself, and how can I, you know, um, find ways or you know push myself so that eventually when things get better how can I be ready for those opportunities that come my way, you know? And um, yeah, so that, that actually happened. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It looks like the, the recurring theme in your story is you were just very open. Mm -hmm. So you come in with an open mindset and really expect the best to give the best from yourself and not, not, uh, not kill yourself if you don't get the gig.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So uh, a question I have is: How do you right now in your current level, where you have? uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. You have, um, basically, you have Disney, you have Marvel, you have uh, placements with big places where people and I'm included, where people wanna wanna excel too. How do you excel currently?
1: Hmm. Oh, just one correction. No Marvel yet, but hopefully soon. Um, <laughs> same,
0: same. We're in yeah. the, we're in the same Hope I yeah. beat you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> ah. Now I'll be happy ah, if you do, you
1: know, to be honest. Um, mm. I, I think like, um, well, I would say there's always room, you know, for people to come up with new music that's innovative and sort of like pushes the envelope. So like when editors or supervisors hear them, or even publishers or fellow composers, when they hear it, they go like, whoa, this is this is this is fresh, you know, this is new. And I think there's a hope for it. You know, so I would say to anyone aspiring to land, you know, big placements and stuff, instead of purely focusing on landing placements with certain campaigns, um, to write the the music that they enjoy the most and you know to write music that they can feel proud of to put like you know their stamp of approval or even their name uh on it and the reason for that is because you know i think in any industry if you work just purely for the cloud or the money or you know the bragging rights or whatever else that comes with it um, these kind of things aren't as sustainable you know as like you know doing something because you really really love it um so I think the placements and the sinks will come naturally as you get better. But you have to be strategic both in the business sense and the creative sense about it. So creatively, as I mentioned, um, you know, write stuff that you love, you know, write stuff that you enjoy. And then on the strategic end, see how it can be tailored to the needs of like, you know, editors or like supervisors or like just, you know, clients in general, right? Like I think like, for trailer music there's like a kind of strict formula in terms of the structure but you need the three-part act or the five-part act or like whatever you call it um like with breaks in between for editors to you know do cuts and stuff like that so i think first and foremost if you're going down the trailer route you know and you want to land like you know those cool syncs that we just spoke about you know you have to understand what your clients which are the editors and supervisors require you know, and then write music that you like, hopefully tailored in the same structure as, as, as what these guys need, right? So first and foremost, like, write stuff that you love, write stuff that you enjoy, and see if it, it can be sort of, like, structured according to what, what is required of you. Um, and I think um, that would be, like, a natural segue into to lending your foot in the door. Um, it's very funny because... Um, <clears throat> A while ago um there's a certain composer um i won't mention his name but like he was he was landing lots of cool placement and this guy's kind of like under the radar like so he doesn't like you know like post much about things and stuff at least not to my knowledge um but he was landing all this cool placements and then um you know someone spoke to him and said like hey like i realize you 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 have a really cool flow in your tracks like you know like um this is an interesting structure. Like I realized you don't really follow the three act structure to, to like a tier. Like, how do you go about doing it? Like, how do you come up with such unique arrangements? And the guy was just like, what's the trailer structure? I've never heard of that. And we were like, huh, like, what do you mean? But you're lending all these placements. He was just like, no, like I just literally write a track. Um, I take a trailer that's online. I remove the audio and I write to the picture. And I was just like, wow, so I've never heard of anyone doing that because that's sort of like a film score approach where you write to the picture, right? And he was just like, yeah, I've never heard of this trailer structure thing. And, and that's it. I was like, huh? Like, that's, that, that's it? He's just like, yeah, bro. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Like, yeah. So it's kind of cool. Like, you know, like as much as people keep saying certain things, you know, like don't be afraid to sort of bend the rules, you know, once you sort of learn them. You know, so this guy just blew my mind. Like, it just went against any course that's teaching trader music out there. You know, and like, okay, so this works for this guy. You know, like, I guess we all got to find out what works for us, right? Because, like, I think if everybody's gonna like just write the picture, the results gonna be dramatically different, right? Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So that's the best suggestion I would give.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. So. Let's let's uh, a big takeaway from this is write dance to your own drum beat. Mm-hmm. Know the rules so you can bend them. For me, it's know the rules so you can bend them. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it works without knowing the rules. It's like I mean, it's like uh, uh, the old jazz players, like you yeah. know the 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 West uh, the uh, um, the West Montgomerys and all the the yeah. the, the, the people who didn't have money so they would sit with their instrument outside of the club of the jazz club and that's basically what what this dude is describing he wasn't educated per se but he put his time into understanding something way deeper
1: oh yeah it's like yeah.
0: it's like um it, it's like people who Um, are blind but they have insane hearing because they tapped into it so deeply it's not because that's how you do things but they have sharpened their sword in a different sense in a different part of the sword than than any than all the rest and that that's what makes their music stick out and that's amazing i can resonate in so on so many levels with what you're with what you're saying right here because for me publishers started approaching me mm-hmm. once I started to find my lane like once I started once I realized what I love I love watching superheroes and I love uh hip hop mm-hmm. so I just took both of them and I made something that is completely mine and amazing and people seem to gravitate and and it wasn't like that from the beginning you know for for me I needed to understand that my voice is actually what 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 attracts people. So mm-hmm. I've started adding my vocal like v- effects like d- doing sound design with my voice. Wow. and doing and doing uh in rapping in my in in all these tracks and in, in in on trailer tracks, you know, like and, yeah. and going and starting to do this uh hybrid weird thing that people are like, I don't know why the hell, but I love this. <laughs> and 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 yeah and, and for me, that's how lately I got a I got a big uh, a big um, a deal with a very very big publisher because they gra- thank you because they they've they've gravitated towards my uniqueness and that's awesome. why that's why I want to double click I'm I'm taking a little bit of this interview to double click on what you're just saying because I feel like it is so important to find. Uh, one's niche and and I've had guests talking about it when you are trying to sound like another person You are going to be that guy. Yeah, and and that is not what I want to be And that's not what I want to show up as I want to be the the this I mm-hmm. want to be the the guy that they approach for this You know yeah. and and because they want that they want that uh, uh, Something from me. Oh, yeah Um which is man it's just like in what you're saying there's so much to unpack but the main takeaway is just stay in your lane mm-hmm. and 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 understand your surroundings as much as you can uh, uh, operate in and in your goals and I mean to me money is not a it's not a bad word because as you were saying like you need to be business smart and mm-hmm. and uh and and smart as an artist. Yeah. So how do you go about being smart as a business? Hmm.
1: Um, especially for sync licensing, I think at some point, once the creative work is done, you know, you deal with a lot of contracts. So I think contract knowledge or like, you know, just being um, literate with the language used in certain kind of contracts should be, um, it should be a focus, you know. Like composers should actually really understand. Well, musicians or producers in general should really understand, like not just you know, in sync licensing, but like on a larger, um, from a larger perspective in the music industry, what certain contracts mean and what certain phrases in each contract mean. Um, like there's there's always the I guess proverbial tale of like a band, you know, signing a really bad contract, you know, and like or taking a huge advance and like having to pay that back. And, and even after that, you know, having a really poor percentage split, you know, for the profits that they're making for, for the industry at a record label. Um, I think it's the same on the sync licensing end, you have to figure out like the details before, you know, doing the creative work, you know, before like, you know, just being really enthusiastic and just like jumping on board, you know, like you have to like clarify what are the terms and conditions and, you know, what everyone hopes to get out of it. Um, I think in this day and age of technology, there's a lot of creative contracts out there. Some are great, some are not so great. Um, so yeah, I think education, literacy is a, it's a really important thing. Um, secondly, I would say also, you know, to not like um, to not to, to understand that um, you know, composers and publishers, essentially what we're doing, we are literally collaborating. Right, I create the product. The publisher is shopping the product, right? So I think it's important to understand that you know, like it's it's more of a partnership more than anything else. So like you know, we are here to assist each other. We're here to provide each other a service of sorts. Um, it's not like a like like a, if you assign to I guess like a three sixty deal of a record label, like you know, they, they are sort of like. Um, they have ownership over like nearly everything that you put out you know for the most part for, for for the duration the contract's active so i would say you know like as much as there should be a focus on being creative you know being great at what you do putting out the best music you can there also needs to be a business direction with regards to how you want to navigate this industry um where do I hope to see myself in three or five years? I know it almost sounds cheesy, almost sounds like an interview question, but you know, it's necessary to reflect and recognize where you are at currently in the game and to understand different streams of revenue of income um, which uh the music industry has to offer. Um, I guess to people, you know, producing, you know, music for for generic listening, like pop music or rock music. Um there tends to be a focus a lot on streaming and like publishing is seen sort of as an afterthought. Whereas for those of us who do publishing strictly, you know, we literally sign away our masters so that the publisher can can sort of pitch them into various territories. So, so there has to be an understanding, like, should I only focus on publishing? Do I only enjoy writing for sync? Am I okay with never being that big popular artist that blows off one day? Or do I want to be the artist who just wants to happen to land a theme song with my track that I wrote five to ten years ago? You know, so there's a lot of you know ways to go about doing it. I think to understand what you hope to achieve in your career is the first and foremost the most important thing, and then obviously you know being good at your craft is like what we say, you know. Um, and then you know reverse engineering sort of the whole process of like, okay, I want to get you know a record deal, I want to get a publishing deal. Who do I speak to? How do I get in front of these people? Um, Like, is there a referral system that I need to go through? Or do I need to have a certain number of plays on my Spotify accounts before, you know, they approach me? Like, what's the best way to do, right? So I think different strokes work for different folks, right? Some people aim to create virality in social media just so that they get attention and numbers. Other people try and game algorithms like Spotify or YouTube or growing channels and stuff. Um, Other people like us, you know, probably pitch purely for sync, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, so I think like having a clear goal of what you want to achieve, you know, is so, so, so necessary. I think a lot of people make the mistake of like, I want to do everything, but can you do everything? Right. I think if you can, you know, by all means, you know, more power to you, please do. But most of us can't. I definitely can't. So, um, yeah, this is something that I would, you know, suggest it's something I did for myself, Um, and I, I see it sort of working out in ways. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, let me let me also um, share a thought that came mm-hmm. through. It is like your skills as a an artist will come to a bottleneck where there are only certain things that you can do, but you know them really well. Mm-hmm. So let's say um, now I'm I have a, a big a big lofi project, which it's with a big producer. And I'm I'm just laying guitars because I can do that real quick and really mm-hmm. easily, and have all these ideas that I can put in in fifteen. I can lay in fifteen minutes, but he will he would take hours to do that. So I have that as another side of my of my business. So that's the listening side, kind of uh, where that where that comes in. And you're totally right. Like you, a person and for i'll say it for myself i need to know my strengths well enough to know how to divide my time because there's only one me there's only 24 hours in the day where i can do what i do Yeah. so so having that understanding of where one wants to be and where and how one one wants to show up in the world is so 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 important um and it just, you know, it goes back to understanding your fortes and your strengths and your, and your being enough. Like, do you want to have uh, um, time in your morning to stretch and meditate and do all these things? Or do you want your morning to be cluttered because you are working in states times? For me personally, it's not the case. I want to be able to have my mornings. That's my circadian rhythm. That's when I get, that's when I, when I, when I prepare my 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 machine for the mission. So for me, it's important to have that time. But for other people, they love the night. Like they're, yeah. you know, we see it a lot in the trailer space. They they work nine to five, literally 9 p.m. to five in the morning <laughs> yeah. on customs. Yeah. And that's because the night is the quiet, quietest time of the day for sure. Um, but for me, it's a non-negotiable. So, really um, understanding, and and from that, I actually want to segue to what's your routine around creativity, around yourself, around your well-being. How do you how do how do you oil this machine that is called Gregory
1: Legend? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, I would say like so. It's only been this year since I started actively working more in customs. Um, so like when you work, you know, like Singapore, or I guess, like Indonesia as well, like we're 15 hours ahead of like Pacific standard sign. Um, so like, um, it, when customs come in, you know, sometimes they come in like really early in the morning over here, like sometimes like 6, 7 a.m. or like sometimes in the middle of the night. And like when those kind of customs come in, like those that happen at like 2, 3. A.M., I tend to turn them down. Or I tend to, like, you know, like, I don't even receive the message because probably I'm asleep or something. Um, And, like, when I wake up, the the project's probably, like, been passed to someone else, which is totally cool. Uh, But, like, you know, like, sometimes in the day, like, I do tell my publishers, like, okay, like, this week, I'm sort of, like, free for customs. But just, like, so you remember I'm in a different time zone. um, So you can manage, you know, your scheduling and your, your, your expectations and stuff. Um, so it's more of communication for me. Like I try and like keep it like, like, you know, like, uh, nine to six kind of thing. I know naturally when there's customs involved with quick turnaround times, like I have to stretch through the night a little bit, but I make it a point that I do not like, you know, like stress myself out the next day, you know, just so that I have room to breathe, I have room to recover. Um, I split my time, you know, if you would have put a statistic on it, um, like 60, 40, So like 60% is like writing music in general. Um, this includes like customs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and 40% is spent like, you know, like um having a social life, spending time with family and friends, or like, you know, building the network and like maintaining relationships and stuff. So like I love, you know, like um catching up with friends over coffee, just finding out what they're doing. Um and And all this sort of like, you know, keeps me out of just being that producer or composer that's stuck in the bedroom studio or just stuck in like, you know, the studio just grinding away 24 seven. Just because like, I feel it's not sustainable in the long run. Um, I think knowing what works for you and knowing, you know, how your creative juices flow is so important. So I think there was a point where like I would, always be at the back and call my publishers, especially when you're starting out, you don't know how to like say no, you don't know how to draw the line, you know, or, or manage expectations. But as, you know, you progress in your career, you start to realize like, hey, I operate at like, you know, um, optimal condition in the day. So I would like work to come in in the day and not, you know, receiving things at like, you know, past two or 3 a.m., you know, and I hope like, you know, my publishers or the people that I work with can respect that you know like and sometimes you know you got to say no to the opportunities that you know even when they look like fantastic opportunities you got to know like you know whether you can whether you can sort of meet those expectations you know from you uh, from from those guys as well and from yourself so um yeah i would say like my i i function like on pretty much like a 9am to you know maybe 7pm kind of clock and I try not to work weekends unless, like, there's an urgent custom that comes in on, like, Friday night and they need it by Monday or something. I try not to do too many of those. Um, Thankfully, it's only been, you know, I, out of all the customs I've done, I think I've only had, like, two that were on that timeline. And I, I guess they were okay. It's not like they were happening every other weekend. Um, And the rest have been pretty much, like, in the day, Um, the publishers have been super understanding. And I guess it helps to be, you know, in a time zone that's ahead of them so that you have sort of lead time. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, it's it's just been that routine for me. Um, you know, if there's no customs, I work on a little bit of catalog work. I don't rush that, um, you know, and I hang out with friends, hang out with family. And, you know, we just share new stuff ahead of time. You know, there have been times, unfortunately, where I had to cancel just because, like, a custom came in, like, on the last minute thing. You know, and I was just like, okay, guys, like... Um, I got a custom. I got a project. I don't um, love to do this by canceling on you, but I have to. So, 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 please understand. Um, um, But yeah, yeah, you know, I try not to do too many of those that are like super disruptive um, to like my social life and stuff. I believe in finding a good balance, and and that sort of like having a social life sort of keeps me sane and keeps me active. And um, yeah, so that that's basically how I do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it comes back to community to communication at all. I mean, that's the that would be the the main theme of this uh, of this of this interview to me. It's it is communication and mm-hmm. communicating because my girlfriend understands mm-hmm. uh when I tell her, "Hey, I I got to I got to stretch a few more hours here. I have a really big thing." Mm-hmm. Uh um, that i'm that i'm working on and is important to me and and she'll understand like i mean girlfriends will like partners understand it more but it's also similar with friends oh yeah as far as they know what you do and they know the 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 your kind of workflow Mm -hmm. um then they will understand the -hmm. way that i see it another another question that i i have i mean I have so many things jotted down right here in this notebook <laughs> Go for here it. to Go show for you. It. Look, Whoa. like so many <laughs> things. Um, but but I mean, and I think we we will have to do it in a round two because I can I can ask you questions for hours. Yeah, and let's a really, do a round two for
1: sure. A, round and, two, and, round and three. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, a, a round two would be a, like would be great, and we'll just like I wanna I'll wanna dive into all to all, mm-hmm. to all uh, uh, communications and and with. Uh, with publishers and mm-hmm. all these things to look out uh, for, because you seem very, very um, literate and and knowledgeable about these things. Oh, I want to, um, because we're we're kind of in the end of this one of mm-hmm. this round, so uh, we will definitely keep it for round two. But um, another thing I want I ask my um my my guests here is if you had to describe your production style in three words, what would they be?
1: Um <laughs> wow, I, I've never thought of this. Um well um as of late, definitely um hard hitting. Um I would say definitely um intense. Um I would say definitely um well for lack of a better word, large. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because the reason that is, like, I don't do a lot of work with artists, but because I'm so used to, like, the cinematic slash trailer sound, you know, whenever, like, the opportunity arises, like, for an artist to work with me, like, I tend to send them back tracks and they're like, whoa, why is it so large? And I'm like, no, it's not large enough. And they're like, huh? And like, I'm like, huh? (laughs) So there's this, like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, you got stuff out on Spotify and congrats on, like, your 150k um, streams. Was that it? Like your oh recent... it's
0: more than that now oh congrats well, dude thank like
1: you. that is that is sick yeah i gotta go check it out um yeah i haven't had like time to listen to spotify or late but oh, yeah, good.
0: it's yeah. it's it's uh it's it's lo-fi so whenever you you get time to 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 cook or do something in the <laughs> back and and you want something in the background but yeah, yeah thank you man i appreciate you and and yeah. Ah man, I wanted to. I had something uh, come up when you were speaking to, to, um, to your. Oh, 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 oh! I have an ad agency that I work with as a gun for hire, and I'm not sure if I can. I don't think I can manage to mention their name. It's okay. But they are. um, But they are. They ask me to do cinematic hip hop for them Mm -hmm. for big big companies that want to do experimental stuff, and. Uh every time I send them something, they're like, mm, you know, uh tone it down a little bit, you know, like the 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 brass. We we don't want it to sound like uh like Thor, please. <laughs> there you go, there you a, go. It's Jeep, it's not Thor, buddy. <laughs> but, but but you know, it's the 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 toolbox that one gets from trailer music is so large and so uh unique in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's also to say about all the other styles of music. Once you, again, once you know what you can take from each style, you put it into something so unique. Yeah. And, tra- and, and Trailer has that thing where it's, it, it just it lingers, which is, is so cool to me. It's, it's like a very uh, transferable uh, genre. Where you, yeah. I mean, you can take you can take only the piano and make piano beds, and you can take only the the strings and make uh, a little uh, a little uh, a staccato staccato uh, uh, naughty sounds for a little a little piece of of music. There's so many things. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's like it's transferable, and it's it's great that you're you're saying all these things, and that's why I'm saying we can speak. We, you're you a guest that I can speak to for hours, but we gotta get we gotta get uh, uh, to all the questions. If you were right now in the beginning of mm-hmm. your trailer slash sync sync journey, mm-hmm. you had a computer and five hundred dollars. What would you invest your time and energy in? And you had zero placements. Got it. So you ju- you would have just gotten into the sync space and. You know what you know now. What would you do?
1: I think I would. Well, I, I guess I'd probably invest in like a interface and like a decent pair of headphones. And if I have anything, you know, remaining, I probably put it towards like um, libraries, like um, I guess plugins and libraries that operated on a subscription model, so that I wouldn't have you know, like fork out really expensive, um, fork out for really expensive. Um, sample libraries where some of those like cinematic plugins um, tend to lean towards. Um, so with that, you know, like I would really research and reach out to people who are already, you know, in the space, you know, and like, you know, well, p- basically people who are killing it, people who I aspire to be like, or with some of the, like the dream publishers or landing dream placements, I'll reach out to them. I'll ask them like, Hey, how do you get started? Uh, you know, and, and actually, funnily enough, i probably start a podcast. i probably, like, invite them on the show, you know, and go, like, you know, hey, like, um, tell me your story. Uh, tell me how you found Trailer Music or how, rather, Trailer Music found you or how this publisher found you, you know, and, like, um, how do you go about collaborating with people, you know? Um, and after that, you know, as, as I get sort of more guests on the podcast... I would probably like, you know, start like a discord page or like some sort of page where people can sort of like tune in or like Twitch or whatever, you know, where people could sort of like ask questions in real time, you know, um, and probably like share it like, you know, every Wednesday morning or something like that, where people sort of know what time to expect. Um, And then, you know, once the podcast have ended, I would probably keep the conversations going with these guys, with my guests and stuff. Well, I probably just, you know, maintain the relationship with them and, and just ask, you know, like, hopefully there's a chance down the line, you know, like, to collaborate with them or, or something like that. Um, just, you know, keeping it really organic, keeping it really natural. Um, and just like being totally honest with them. Hey, guys, I'm a newbie at these things. Um, what What's what's a sample library you could recommend me that would break the bank, you know, or, or something, you know, just like really earnest and honest questions. And, um, from there, start building, like, you know, portfolio, just generally ask them, like, hey, can I send you a couple of tracks to review, you know, like every couple of months if it's not too, too, too much of a, of, of a problem, not too burdensome, troublesome. Um, but like, yeah, I, I go about doing it that way. I think I also, you know, keep telling myself that this is not like a get rich quick kind of thing. You're not going to write a song today and expect to land a to sing tomorrow. I mean, like it could happen, but the chances that that like sort of happening are like few and far between. So um, yeah, that's that's what I would do. Yeah.
0: Mm. So that leads me to the next question. If you have, uh, again, like, so if you were to get to specifics, what what are three super accessible, um, accessible, and cheap? products that you, you they are your go-tos
1: um i would say like i rely a lot on um performance sample sample libraries now some of the uh, higher end stuff can be expensive um but like some of their like um single instrument stuff that sounds really really good i think it's like um like the solo violin a or solo violin b um like it sounds really really good um, I would say something that's more affordable, I don't use this myself, but a lot of my friends do, would be the, the BBC Symphonic Orchestra by Spitfire. Um, mm-hmm. I would say there are a lot of stuff by Spitfire Labs that are free and really, really decent sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was um, Composer Cloud, I think it's by East West or, or some some, some company, that has a subscription-based model. That um, it doesn't sound the most updated. Doesn't sound fantastic compared to what's out there today. But for what you know, you get you know for starters, it's like it's it's pretty decent. Um, yeah, and a lot of like um, the more cinematic libraries like Key Forest and stuff, they have like free versions of like their software, um, which you know it's probably it's definitely more than enough to get by. Um, there are a lot of, uh, well, like there's like Boom Library, which is under the same company as Cape Forest, um, that has a ton of free sound packs, you know, that, that are really, really, really good. Um, yeah, so like there are so many free VSDs and sample libraries out there today, you know, like that, that you can really use um, to get by, um, um, especially when you're starting out. So for anyone that's starting out, I would recommend you to sort of like check those out. Uh, you know, like majority of them are less than like a hundred dollars. So I think, I think it's a good place, you know, um, considering what some of these other libraries go for, like, you know, like, um, easily the, the hundreds or like, you know, like or, or more. So, so I would recommend, you know, looking for the free cheap, um, or like light LITE, like, like version of those. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Did you say Boom Library? I didn't. I yeah, didn't, it's literally uh,
1: B O O M, like Boom Library. Wow. Okay, yeah. cool.
0: I'll I'll check them out. Actually, I did, I've never mm-hmm. never heard of them. Yeah. Um, another question. <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, what is your goal? What is your sync goal now that you've gotten Star Wars? Mm-hmm. What is your next one? Well, it's the I think next frontier.
1: in the near future, would probably to learn like you know stuff that I really really want to learn, like probably like Marvel, like anything Marvel, more um, Disney stuff. Frankly, anything Disney, like I'm a nut for Disney. Uh, but I think further down the line, you know, like you know, give it like maybe five years, I would probably want to transit more to perhaps a consultant slash kind of role, where I probably would still be writing. You know, like writing is always going to be a love of mine, but probably like more yeah more of like an A&R consultant kind of role and probably you know more writing music more for myself you know as opposed to just always be writing to briefs um as well as maybe collaborating more with like songwriters or, like artists you know to, to add like by the top lines on tracks so or just you know creating a new sound like experimenting with genres um and stuff as opposed to just be purely locked in by briefs um yeah yeah so so I I think that's like the kind of like plan for now, Um, but yeah, definitely in the near future would just be to land more, you know, bigger and cooler sink placements and and building sort of like the brand or catalog and a reputation or whatever you call it. Um, Yeah,
0: Gregory, that's this is an amazing place to to just leave people with their with their jaw dropped. I just want you to, if there's any last piece of advice you would give people who are getting into this space Mm. and want to, want to, uh, up their level and get to somewhere like you are, what would you suggest for them?
1: Um, above everything else, I would just say, be as patient as you can and know that, you know, like it's not a competition. Like no one's going to go, Oh, like I have a thousand things. You only have a hundred, right? Like it doesn't work that way. Um, So just be patient, run your own race, um, be a great producer, be a great composer, whatever that means to you. And, you know, like um, there will always be room in the industry um, for for greatness, frankly. Um, I think uh, as long as you you work on that, you'd be a great communicator and you it's it's that's basically it. You know, like everything else is sort of like a subset of that. Um, And yeah, yeah, that that would be it.
0: Mm. Where can people find you?
1: Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, like Greg Time Music, um, website, GregTanMusic.net. Um, yeah, um, literally that. I'm on LinkedIn as well, like if, if that's a thing for some people, um, like Gregory Tan, like Music Composer. Yeah, th- those places.
0: This, this has been legendary.
1: Yeah, awesome, man.
0: Yo, how'd you like that? that was an awesome one and I feel so honored to have had been in the same space virtually with this guy and hopefully I'll go meet him in Singapore in the coming year but if you like this podcast just make sure to rate it and review it wherever you listen to it if it's on Spotify then just follow it but um, it really helps the show if you review it if you comment if you create engagement and and Yeah, see you in the next SYNC Gems episode. Peace.